preparing for it and just what, yeah, what we feel God's put on our hearts, really. So the sort of title for this morning is not just communion. It's a little bit more specific. It's healing in communion. So when we mention communion, each of us have got our own sort of little um, pack of emotions, if you like, that we um, have from our past, from maybe the church that we were uh, brought up in or you know, just feelings that we have towards it. And I know for myself, for many years, I was brought up in a very um, evangelical, uh, traditional church, really. And whenever it was communion, it was like this holy terror went through me just at the thought of it. Um, I'm not quite sure why that was, but I think it's probably based on the fact that it was very, very quiet, and I found it very difficult to be quiet. It was very reflective, I also find it quite difficult to be reflective. And it was also a little bit sort of um, inward-looking. We were sort of asked to have a little think about what we've done wrong, you know, how we've let God down. And and pretty much every week I felt I'd let God down. So was I worthy to take this? So there was that sense of unworthiness that used to sort of take over me a little bit. But I'm glad to say that God's freed me up from that with regard to communion. And I've come to see that communion is really, it's quite the opposite of what I thought it was. I've come to see that God has already made me worthy. So when I come to take it, I'm remembering that I am worthy. I'm not digging up the argument I had before I came or I mean obviously if you have the things to repent of I'm not saying we don't repent what I'm saying is that the focus really of communion is all about Jesus so we're going to share we're going to tag team a bit this morning and then later on we'll take communion together so I do want to say though that this morning we'll just be looking really touching the tip of the iceberg with regard to communion we can't possibly do an A to Z of communion. I mean, God's limitless anyway. We can't do an A to Z of anything, can we? Um, there's just so much. It's such a rich, rich thing that he's given us, and it's just become so precious to us. Uh, do you want to say anything before I carry on? Yeah, as Jan said, that we, we will be sharing communion. As you can see, there are four stations around the corner, uh, on each corner. Um, Really, what we're sharing this morning has come from particularly the last three years uh, of our journey. Uh, we've, we call it a healing journey that we've been on, and Jan, I think, is going to share a little bit more detail of that in a moment. But um, uh, So, this isn't something that we've known all the time. <laughs> uh, we've actually, God, God's been revealing this to us over the last uh, three, three and a half years, and um, uh, we want to share a little bit about that. Communion, taking communion is a, is a command of Jesus. He wants us to do it regularly. And um, the early disciples knew how important it was to share communion because they met regularly in each other's homes to over the word, to pray, but to share communion as well. They found, they knew the significance that communion held. And I feel over the centuries, that significance has got slightly lost. Um, 
So anyway, hopefully uh, you'll learn something this morning uh, from, from our, our journey. Um, yeah, so our journey. I, I think probably most of you know this, but just in case there's anyone who doesn't know this. Um, 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had treatment for it. And then three years ago, at the beginning of 2020, just before we all went into COVID season, I was having a bit of backache and I was having a checkup, which I had probably at that point, they were only checking me every three years or something. And the results of the scan showed that the breast cancer had popped up again elsewhere. So obviously, when we heard this news, we were like a bit rocked over it. But I actually remember even, you might not remember this, when we were given that news in the little room and it's all, you know, I just felt rising up in me. I suppose I'd say it was the word no. Um, I'd been listening to some stuff regard to Bethel and Bill Johnson and stuff about healing and thinking, starting to think of it in a bit of a different way then. So this no rose up in me and I said, I'm a child of God and he's with me all the time and he loves me so much and I was just overwhelmed really by that, just that sense and that's kind of stayed with me. Um, sometimes I think, yeah, it's just amazing that the peace and the joy that he's given me through this time. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be like this. You expect a journey like this to be pretty awful, don't you? And I'm not saying there weren't awful moments, and I'm not saying that fear didn't sometimes grip me. But I suppose I've, I've learned, I'm learning what to do about that fear. And that's kind of um, a little bit where communion comes in. Because communion takes our focus off what we're going through. It takes our focus, like I've just said, off our own unworthiness, off our own circumstances, off ourselves, really. Because we can be very inward focused, can't we? Especially when something like this is going on in your body. You can be very, you know, it's all about this. And I was determined it wasn't going to be all about that, which is probably why you don't hear me talk about it very often. But if you want to talk to me about it, I'm quite happy to. Um, yeah, so communion, it brings our focus directly onto Jesus. Because there are just so many distractions. I don't know if you find that. Um, you know, you're about to spend some time with God, and you've just got to do this. Or you've just got to sort that out first. And it's, it's really sometimes quite a challenge. Um, then lockdown came, of course, and we all had extra time. And I really praise God for that extra time. I don't praise God for the COVID, obviously. But it came at a time when it released me to actually focus in, if you like, dig down, dig deep into what God's got for me now and in the future and to kind of find out, you know, a bit more about who I really am in him and about the inheritance that I've got in him right now. You know, I've often thought in the past, inheritance is something we, we get when we die. But actually, if you think about an inheritance, it's something that we get when somebody else dies. As some of you have inherited in the past because you've lost somebody. So you know what that means. So when Jesus died, he left us an inheritance. And 
this communion really brings that together, our inheritance. Um, there's just so many blessings that we fail to receive from him because either we don't know about them or we get distracted. There's just so much in the physical realm, isn't there? Things we see and hear and feel that are distractions. We've started to call them weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> well, that was quite a good one. <laughs> there are so many weapons of mass distraction, you know, so easily. I mean, I was an avid Netflix watcher, and then when you get into a series, well, you... I'm the sort of person, if I read a book, I want to know the end, so I stay up all night and read it. I'm like that with TV. If I start a series, I've got to watch the next 10. And then, of course, they bring out the new one, don't they? So there's another whole load of them. So um, I spent a fair bit of time watching some stuff, nice stuff, generally wholesome stuff. But what a waste of time when I could be spending it with God and, and you know, learning what his plan is for me and for others and for just receiving those blessings. Anyway, what I'm saying really is it's so easy to take our focus off the spiritual realm, what really matters. So communion directs our attention to what Jesus has accomplished and takes our eyes off ourselves and onto him and what he's done for us. It's a celebration bringing together two really key elements that go together in the scripture in so many ways, forgiveness and healing. And we're going to be showing you how they link together. Um, right, so the first scripture that we've got to look at today. Change of voice. <laughs> uh, Isaiah 53, um, verses 4 and 5, a very familiar passage, I'm sure. This is from the King James Version. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Thanks, Steve. Okay, this is just one of three, only three scriptures. Don't worry, we're only going with three. I'm not going to go on forever and ever. This is just the first of three that have been really key for me. The three of them link in. And what I'd like you to look at while we look at the three is sort of ask yourself, how is forgiveness and healing in this scripture? So the first, I want to just pick out a couple of words. This version says, surely... He has borne our griefs. And I want to look at the word griefs. I'm a bit of a word nerd. I look at the Hebrew quite a lot. And only for the last few years again, I didn't know there was an app for it. And now it's like brilliant. So I looked up this word quite some time ago. And this word griefs, the definition in the Hebrew, it's the word cholly. Is that up there? There it is. And the actual definition in, in the Hebrew is sickness and disease. And I was brought up thinking that that was just, um, that it just really meant, well, griefs, really. But it actually means sickness and disease. And that word is mentioned 22 times in the Old Testament. 
So I looked them all up, thinking, well, if it's griefs, it'll say griefs for all of them, won't it? But I found that in all the others, it was about physical healing, which amazed me. Um, I think there's one about Hezekiah getting healed. There's another one in Kings about a woman's son who fell ill. He was about to die. And the word there um, for his sickness is cholly. And I'm not going to go through all 22. You can look at those yourself. But I thought, wow. So really, it reads, instead of griefs, we can put sickness and disease in there. Okay, the other word I just want to look at is the word for peace. Is that the next slide, Alison? Oh, oh, oh no, okay, we'll go with that, we'll go with that word then. Um, the word for pain, surely he's borne our griefs and our pain. That word is makob. And the definition, when you look that up, uh, is pain. Now I'm Look, I looked at the other 15 times that that's mentioned, and this is a much wider word. It can be physical pain, but it can also be anguish in your heart, anguish in your mind. Um, it can be grief, and it can be sorrow. So it not only is about physical pain, but it's about emotional pain. And so, you know, I was just amazed. Jesus has covered it all in his finished work. He's covered for our sickness and disease. He's covered for our mental anguish and our emotional pain. And then the other word I want to look at is shalom, which we just have the translation in the, I think, is this one a Greek word? Yes, I think. Oh, no, no, it's another Hebrew word. Um, we just translate it peace. That's the best that we can do with our English language, sadly enough. So every word that shalom is, is just peace. Peace, well, give me a bit of peace, you know, go away, give me five minutes peace, is how we sometimes think of it. And it's very good when you've got children to have that five minutes peace, isn't it? <laughs> but it means so much more than that. When you look at the meaning of that, it's completeness, soundness, Welfare, which includes health, prosperity, and peace. So it's much, much fuller than just give me a bit of peace. You know, the Israelis, I think they greet each other, don't they, with the word shalom. So basically saying, you know, may your body, soul, spirit be full of, you know, completeness and soundness and health. It's, it's an amazing greeting, really. The last word I want to look at on this scripture is the word Rapha. So that is by his stripes you are healed. That word for heal is Rapha. And the definition is to heal or to cure. So when you look that up in your Hebrew app, which I'm sure you're all going to get now, <laughs> um, the definition is to heal or to cure. And that's mentioned 62 times. And every single one of them is about physical healing. In Exodus 15, God showed himself, didn't he, as Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. And 
In Leviticus, we've got skin boils being healed. We've got leprosy healed. And in Genesis 20, Abimelech is healed. And it's all that word, Rapha. So when people try to tell me that that's not about physical healing, I'm like, well, fair enough. You think what you think, but go to the word and see what it, what it says there and, and have a look at that because that really, really amazed me. And the last scripture before you get a go. You're jumping ahead. Oh, sorry, am I? So Isaiah 53 should read, surely, most certainly, he has borne our sickness and disease, that's Choli, and carried our pain, the chastisement for our completeness and soundness, welfare, health, prosperity, and peace, peace, <laughs> shalom, was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed or cured. So there's a, a very clear physical reference to physical healing that Jesus won for us on the cross. Um, and uh, just a quick, a quick testimony here. I, was, I'm, I won't be here next Sunday because I'm running the Worcester 10K, which is why all the roads are closed. They close all the roads for me to run along them. Uh, so I do apologize in advance. But... Um, I was, we were up in Scotland, and I was, I was running, uh, doing a bit of training, and I felt, I felt what I thought was a midge, but I don't think it was, uh, bite me on the back, back of a leg as I was running. So I just reached down as I was running and slapped, slapped the back of my leg, and immediately I was gripped by this terrible pain across, across my back. Um, it was like a metal vice went, and I, and I had to stop it. Ah! And I couldn't move. I literally could not move. I couldn't lift my leg um, to, walk, to walk. I was stuck in the middle. Fortunately, it was a very quiet road. Uh, but I was standing there in the middle of the road, unable to move. And I thought, ah, I'm, I'm about 4K four, four away from, from my caravan. How am I going to get home? What am I going to do here? And the first reaction was to say, hang on. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain. Jesus, you carried this pain. It's not mine. You've taken it upon yourself on the cross. So pain, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and tell you to go. I'm not having it. It's been paid for. It's not mine. And within, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating here, within seconds, I thought, I can move my legs. I can walk. The pain hadn't gone completely, but I could walk. So I walked to the nearest gate and just took myself off the road and just rested for a minute. And then thought, right, okay, well, I'll just start walking back now. And I started to walk back and realized that the pain was, was virtually gone. I thought, hang on, I think I can run. So I just started to jog gently and realized I was no pain whatsoever, and, and ran all the way back home again, and I'm still on target for, for next Sunday's uh, Worcester 10K. But that's just, just uh, an example of just putting that into practice. Um, and the more that, the more that we, we're learning, you know, that as we're renewing our minds in Scripture, if you notice that Jan's um, she, she is looking up all these references, you know, it's 62 times. She, I think she's probably lifted them all up. Um, but it's renewing our minds to the mind of God. Anyway, we'll move on swiftly to the second. Oh, yeah. oh shall I read that? Um, the second, uh, uh, which is um, 
Yeah, that's it. Matthew 8, 16, to 17, 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Wow, I feel like I almost don't need to say anything about this verse. We've had the verse from Isaiah, and this is referencing that. So Jesus has just healed all that were sick, and then we have the quote from Isaiah. He himself bore our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus healed all that came to him. Um, yeah, that's that verse done. Hope you like that one. That's the best one, shortest. But it just blows me away, that one. 1 Peter 2.24. This is the last one. Go on, now you read it. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. It's referring to Jesus, of course. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So I think if you were asked to say, you know, if you're asked, do you know any healing scriptures, this is probably the one that most people would pick. But I don't really want to bring out the stripes you were healed bit because I think you've already got that message. The bit that really struck me about this verse was that middle bit, having died to sins. So we've got forgiveness there before we've got the healing bit at the end. And that just blows me away. We've died to sins and we live for righteousness. That sounds all very religious, doesn't it? It just, righteousness is just means we're right with God, completely right with him. We've died to sins. So we're dead to, if you like, the way I look at it is like before we're Christians, we're plugged into something, we're plugged into really the curse, aren't we? Sin and sickness and disease, the things that come from the enemy. And then when we get born again, it's like we're unplugged and we're transferred into another kingdom. We're unplugged from that realm of darkness um, where, you know, we're not good enough for God and, and all that unworthiness. And we're plugged right back in to being his child. We're in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. So we're not there anymore. We're not plugged into the curse. We're now plugged into righteousness and all the good things that God's got for us. It's a little bit like that picture about being joined to the vine you know, we're the branches, Jesus said. I am the vine, and you're the branches. And the branches, uh, if I was the tree, the branches aren't like over there somewhere disjointed. They're joined in. So what flows through the vine flows through the branches. So what flows through Jesus and all the blessings flow through us because we're connected. And that's what communion does. It connects us to the vine, and it reminds us that's who we're connected to. We're not connected to death and sickness and darkness. We're connected to light and healing and life. The life of Jesus actually flows through you, every single one of you, all born again. And the life of Jesus flows through you because you are the branch and he's the vine. So, yeah. Just moving quickly on because I realize we're running short of time, so I'll cut this a bit shorter. Um, forgiveness and healing go hand in hand. They're, they're, they're very linked throughout scripture. 
and I've just got a couple of examples, Psalm 103. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all our sins. He heals all our diseases. There they are, hand in hand. Um, another well-known example in, in Matthew, uh, where Jesus heals the man let down through the roof. Um, he says, first of all, your sins are forgiven. And the, the guys up on the roof are thinking, well, we brought him here to be healed. <laughs> uh, and Jesus goes on to say, well, which is easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and, and, and walk? So he, he said, get up and walk. Forgiveness and healing are linked. Um, and we're coming to the communion now. And have you ever asked yourself why there are two elements, bread and wine? I'd like to suggest that it's because one represents forgiveness and the other represents healing, both of which were paid for at the cross. The bread, his broken body, was broken for us so that our bodies might be made whole. Jesus went through such tremendous suffering even before he died on the cross. Why was that necessary? It was necessary because he took all our pain, emotional, mental, physical, he took all our suffering upon himself, all our disease and sickness, so that we could live free from them. Now, that's a big statement, isn't it? Um, but that's what I believe the word teaches us. And his, the wine represents his blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And just like Jan, I was brought up um, uh, just believing that coming to communion, it was all about forgiveness. And um, sometimes I wouldn't take communion because I felt so unworthy. I thought, no, I've, I, I can't take this because I'm not in a good place. Well, actually, what God wants us to do is not be sin conscious when we come to the table, but to be savior conscious. He has made us worthy. We are worthy. We are made righteous we can come to the table, even though we might have had a really bad week and let God down in many ways, we can still come to the table. We can repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry I've messed up, but you've made me worthy. You've made me righteous. Thank you for that. You see, his work on the cross was complete. And I love, uh, we've listened to a lot of speakers and somebody I can't remember who said uh, that the work of the cross was completely complete, perfectly complete, Completely perfect. Perfectly perfect. <laughs> uh, just, just like that, I always remember that. But God showed us why Jesus had to suffer. By his stripes, we are healed. Uh, I just want to quickly look at John 6. Jesus taught a lot about his, um, his, his body and his blood. Um, have we got one just before that, Alison? Uh, oh, maybe, no, that's okay. Uh, we can skip, yeah, that's the one. Uh, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Wow, that's hard teaching, isn't it? Eating, 
eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And some of the disciples, literally, some of the people thought he was being literal. And said, how, how, can we, how can we eat your flesh? Oh, that sounds disgusting. Um, and actually, a lot of disciples following Jesus, giving this teaching, turned, turned and left. They, they left, they stopped following him. Um, but what they didn't realize was Jesus was teaching a spiritual truth by using physical terms, talking about eating and drinking. It was imagery. And um, when at the Last Supper, Jesus said, this held up the bread, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this. So he made a direct reference to, to this teaching in John 6. And then when he lifted up the wine, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is given for you. Drink this. So he made it very clear um, that actually, it's almost as if, you know, we, sometimes we need to see things with spiritual eyes, and, and, and it's actually quite different, difficult sometimes. We need something physical. And Jesus has given us these physical symbols to help us learn a, a, a spiritual truth. <clears throat> um, before we do share communion, um, just, one, just one last little thing. One of my favorite verses has, has been in Ephesians, by grace are you saved through faith. Um, and actually, if you look at the word saved, it's sozo, which means far more than just forgiven. By grace are you forgiven by faith? Yes, but there's so much more. By grace are you healed are you restored? Are you delivered? By grace are you healed through faith. It's just brought a completely new insight to that verse for me. So as we share communion now, I want us to think of those words. This is a holy moment. It's a holy moment with you, Father. With you, Jesus, remembering what you've done for us. And let's as we particularly break the bread and share the bread together, let's just thank God for our healing. Just like when we take the, the wine, we thank God for our forgiveness. Thank him for your healing. Even though you might not be experiencing that in your body at the moment or in your mind or in your emotions, Thank him for it, believe that he paid for it, and stand on his promises. So what we'd like you to do is to, there's four stations, two at the front, two at the back. If you can make your way to one, grab some bread, um, take, take a, some wine, wine as well. Um, grab somebody to pray with, with the bread, and think about what we've shared this morning, as you do. But don't take the wine. I would like us all to do that together. So I'll just keep an eye on, on, on things and then I'll draw us all together and we'll, we'll share the wine uh, together. But um, uh, did you want to share something? Or? No, just to say, if you do want to just take the bread yourself and sit down and have that quiet moment, just you and the Lord, that's fine too. You don't have to grab anybody, but it's sometimes good, isn't it, to, you know, just to pray together. I just as well feel this morning that God wants to break off some fear. I think sickness and disease bring a lot of fear, and we've talked about that this morning. And, you know, our God's able to break that off. And as you commune with him, 
over this feast. You know, he can do that. If you want someone to pray for you, then, you know, just ask. There's lots of people here. You can pray for each other. You're all able to do that. You've all got Jesus' life in you, which wants to bubble up this morning and, uh, yeah, bless each other.